0: It's been a hard day and night. And I've been working like a star. Are you ready
1: to get down to business? Join seasoned entrepreneur, community leader, and Army veteran, Scott Shalom Klein, who will take you behind the scenes with those who work in America's small business scene and speak with leaders making an impact, creating jobs, and telling their story in entrepreneurship.
0: So let's get down to business.
1: On AM 560, The Answer, here's your host, Shalom Klein.
2: And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts on my website at syklein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. Let's jump right in with Ryan Atkinson. He is a 24-year-old entrepreneur who owns and leads two companies, Spacebar Visuals and Magic Media. Ryan grew up in Iowa and attended the University of Iowa. He graduated and moved to Boston, and we're going to talk all about his entrepreneurial journey. But frankly, I'm a little bit intimidated over here because Ryan has has hosted three podcasts, uh, produced so many episodes, and really, really quite the entrepreneur and quite the subject matter expert. On, uh, on all things entrepreneurship. So I'm excited to dive in. Ryan Atkinson, welcome to the program. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me. Super, super excited to be here today and uh, share some value with the listeners. So yeah, thank you.
2: Absolutely. So 24 years old, you have caught the entrepreneurial bug and now you are uh, investing in, of course, Spacebar visuals and magic media, probably with your days and nights. But I always like to start with the beginning of what led you into entrepreneurship. Is that your family background? Yeah, so
1: great question. What really led me into entrepreneurship is both my mom and my stepdad both have their own small businesses. My mom owns her own hair salon, and my stepdad owns his own flooring company. Uh, so I was really, I grew up around entrepreneurs, um, seeing them set their own schedule, make all the decisions for the business and whatnot. So the seed was planted probably at 15 or 16 that I knew I was going to graduate from the University of Iowa. Get a corporate gig for maybe a year, uh, maybe two, and then start my own business. And uh, to date, we are still on track of that—that that same seed that was planted when I was fifteen. So, all goes back to my family and being surrounded by entrepreneurs at a young age.
2: I love it, and uh, from what I understand, you grew up in Iowa, moved to Boston for a year, and now live in yep. Austin, Texas. So, you know, I am a very big believer in our surroundings and our network. Of course, you know a thing or two about sure. that. We'll talk about all about networking. Um, really uh, influences us in so many different ways. So, what is it that you think has had the biggest influence beyond just family? Had, was it your schooling, your education, or have tell us about some of those experiences along the journey?
1: Yeah. So I would say, of course, my family, uh, they obviously played a huge part in my gr- growing up. Um, they were I'm very close with like my family, my stepdad, my mom, my sister, my dad, uh, all were great influences in my life. I'd say the second thing that has influenced my life um, has been moving to, out of Iowa. I was born and raised in a town <laughs> of 10,000. My graduating class was 53 students. Uh, so I went to the university of Iowa, but I knew as I was getting closer to graduation, I was like, "Eh, "And there's so much more out there in the world than Iowa. Uh, so moving to Boston expanded my mind into just thinking about like, oh my gosh, this is why someone might approach this situation like this, like this. Um, I can definitely understand that now. And then moving down to Austin, um, same impact. You are just surrounding yourself with very accomplished individuals, very driven individuals that come from such a hodgepodge of backgrounds. Um, And that's been phenomenal just for like my personal development, building confidence in myself. Uh, So I would say my family one, uh, the number two is just get I love the state of Iowa, but getting out of the state of Iowa uh, into these big cities where people very driven people are uh, are there and trying to create their own things, essentially.
2: Well, good for you. The majority of our listeners uh, would agree with you. We are, we are uh, all, a lot of our listeners being in Chicago, uh, very yes. proud of Illinois roots. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, not too many Iowa listeners are are tuning in today. Just yeah, kidding, yeah. kidding, Ryan over here. But uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, um, appreciate that so so much. So let's talk about Spacebar Visuals and Magic Media. Again, two companies that you, where you invest a lot of your days and nights. Um, I know you have said in the past that you consider them your children, and you love them. Tell us a little bit about uh, what they are and and why it matters to our listeners.
1: Yeah, definitely. So let's uh, hit Magic Media first. Magic Media is a little bit more passively what I'm doing. I'm still running the company, but essentially what we do is we handle the end-to-end production for a podcast like this, uh, where we handle the pre-production and then the post-production and do like content creation, publishing, editing, all of that good stuff. Um, So I've been a part of the process of A ton of different episodes just overseeing the project management of making sure all the liver bolts get hit and whatnot super hands-off process for people like you the real the other baby the twin in this is a spacebar visuals and that's what i'm more focused on today um and essentially what we do is we're an animated video studio that will work with SaaS companies to develop product demos develop explainer videos repurpose a white paper into this super engaging video And some of the benefits we're seeing with our clients is it's helping drive uh, prospects down the sales funnel. So they actually convert at a higher rate and it's actually shortening that sales cycle. Um, So those are some of the powerful ways that videos are being used right now with uh, many of our SaaS clients. So why you should care if you're interested in lead conversion rates going down or uh, lead conversion rates going up, excuse me, um, and your sales cycle going down. uh, uh, Video is a great tool to uh, enable your sales team to do that.
2: Absolutely. Point well taken. And obviously, we're having this conversation early 2024. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, Ryan, you, you certainly... You, you're young, but you've been watching this over, the, over these past few years. So how would you say yeah. that marketing has changed in, let's say, the past, I don't know, 5-6 years of your professional journey?
1: It's pretty crazy. I feel like a lot of it has been outbound. Get as many touches as you can at, into people. Email, email, email. Touch them, touch them. Just be a way to get in front of them. And while that has worked the past three, four, five years, um, what I'm actually actually noticing now, and um, a strategy that we've shifted to in the past month, two months, is actually going through LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has been a super powerful tool for us to book meetings. And I don't know why, but my kind of thesis on why is that people want a face of who they're talking to. They just don't want to receive an email. Who reads? Who actually reads their emails nowadays? When I get an email, I delete it right away. Uh, But LinkedIn is a great tool um, for outbound because I feel like it's a little bit more personal. Um, You can actually see their face, their job title. It's like, oh, I can quickly know everything about this person in one click. Um, So LinkedIn has been a huge uh, tool for us. So just being more personable, um, personalizing your messages. I feel like that has been the biggest thing that we've seen that has helped us in probably the past two, two, two months or so.
2: Absolutely. And on this program, we have so many entrepreneurs, small business owners that are tuning in that have all sorts of different backgrounds. And, you know, I I find it fascinating, Ryan, your journey, um, again, as a young entrepreneur, um, (laughs) you certainly have this incredible vantage point and, and have... Watched companies. You are also an entrepreneur yourself, and that is really, really important over here. So, Ryan, what advice would you have? And if you could be so candid and talk about, I know it hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies. Where have some of the challenges been? And what advice would you share with our listeners?
1: Yeah. So, a lot of the challenges um, that I've learned as a that I was not expecting um, when I was twenty four on twenty four year olds like starting my own company is when you work in business you deal with such a wide range of personalities. Some people are very blunt. Some people are very laid back. Some people are very on top of it. Some people are not at all. So managing those personalities for me has been... its I love dealing with people. I love all of our clients. But it has been a challenge to I understand like, oh, this person is very on top of it. But this person, I need to email them like 5 times to get something approved. So I think if someone is starting their own business or they're in the early stages... You're going to deal with a whole lot of different personalities, uh, and it, it's it's an it, it's an exciting challenge. Um, you get to definitely see the wide uh, range of spectrum of personalities out there. But I would say that's been actually one of the biggest surprising challenges for me. Of course, you're going to have challenges of like, oh my god, like we didn't hit revenue this month, or like, oh we're really behind, or this is delayed. But One of the most surprising challenges for me has been uh, the wide range of personalities you will deal with, with your employees, with your clients, with vendors. Um, And just overcoming that is just staying at equilibrium and understanding through experiences that people will have different reasons for why they approach each situation as it is.
2: Absolutely. Uh, that's great advice. Again, I'm chatting with Ryan Atkinson, 24-year-old entrepreneur and, uh, and quite the expert on, on all things uh, marketing and entrepreneurship. Um, Ryan, I've got time just for one more question. As we uh, look ahead at 2024, what are your goals? What are some of your uh, New Year's resolutions, if you will?
1: Yeah. So uh, professionally, we definitely have revenue targets that we want to hit. Um, we definitely have revenue targets we want to hit. We want to onboard a certain amount of uh, new employees. We're currently at 10 employees right now we're looking to hire two more this month actually um so definitely just growing the team i'm in a very profitable way just not grow and burn professionally um, i want to read uh, 37 books i want to invest a certain amount into an index fund Uh, i want to work out a certain amount eight times a week whatever that comes out to a year um so yeah, definitely making those quantifiable has been huge for me in my own development.
2: Some good uh, some good resolutions, not only for you, but also, as you say, your children and that spacebar sure. visuals and magic media. Great, great insight, great information. Ryan, I know our listeners will have questions for you and want to look you up. How can they get in touch with you and learn about all of your cool projects?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you guys can reach out to me on LinkedIn, just Ryan Atkinson, or you can send me an email at Ryan. At spacebarvisuals.com. We also have a fun offer for anyone that is listening. That if you do commit to any packages with us, you guys can get 20% off any of those. That could be over a dollars deal. We like to do that with fun podcasts, and this is a fun podcast. So Shalom, thank you so much for having me.
2: Really appreciate it. Ryan Atkinson, thank you so much. We'll be right back and to get down to business. Don't touch that dial. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So I've been super excited for this conversation because I'm joined by another podcast host and that's Stephen Morris, who has over 21 years of experience in leadership roles from the army to the corporate world. And he has distilled everything he's learned into five pillars of leadership that he uses in his products and services. We're going to talk all about that called Renown Leadership LLC. That's the name of his company. Stephen Moore is welcome to the
0: program. Thanks, brother. It is amazing to be here. I'm so excited. Let's have some fun, bro.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Renowned leadership. That's what we all want, entrepreneurs, small business owners, wherever they may be tuning in from. So, Stephen, let's talk a little bit about your service and your background that has led to this point, and then we'll dive into what you do today. You have served in the U.S. Army, hua, um, and uh, and that's awesome. So how did those experiences lead you to uh, that renowned leadership that we're talking all about?
0: <laughs> hello, hello. Um, so, I mean, it, it, its I was one of the lucky ones man and going through the army i was in the army for 16 years and the entire time i never had what i would consider a bad leader i had leaders that were better than others but in hindsight like looking back at what i've seen in the civilian world i never actually had a bad leader so after my service after getting out and experiencing some of the most amazing leadership some of the most amazing coaches slash mentors through the army uh, some of the best you can get in the world. I, I came to the civilian sector and I'm like, man, where is that? And so it was like, okay, so I need to, uh, rather than complain about a par- problem, be a part of the problem. I need to be a part of the solution. And that's how Renown came to be.
2: I love it. I love it. And I have to ask, how was your transition out of the army? Um, was it something, <laughs> uh, smooth and, and you naturally uh, took those leadership skills or, or something else?
0: Uh, let's just say, Uh, no, um, Uh it was, uh, it was three and a half years of hell, man. It was torture. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, you know, my entire identity was the army. It, It was what I ate, slept, breathed every single day of my adult life. And so when I got out, like Trying to reassimilate, trying to talk to civilians the way civilians prefer to be talked to, which is not like soldiers. I learned that very fast. Um, It was just super hard. No one understood me. I felt very underappreciated. I felt like my entire life of service to the Army, to this country, didn't even matter anymore.
2: Yeah. And from what I understand, you started working with a coach, a leadership development, a career coach, and that was a, a game-changing moment for you. Again, you had so much experience. You had the leadership opportunities, but again, that transition didn't go smoothly. So now you, as you said, are paying it forward. So let's talk all about that. And again, by the way, this is true, whether you're, you have that military background or not, everybody needs that help to take that leadership and career to the next level. So why, why leadership development, Stephen?
0: like i said you know working in the corporate sector i i I saw some great managers um but i didn't see great leaders and it made me really sad because leaders are needed at every level Uh, of an organization i mean the managerial stuff the check in the boxes you need all that stuff but you also need the people uh part of that equation in order to have a truly good culture within your organization and it, it makes me sad that people wake up every single day and they hate 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 their life because i've never experienced that i don't know what it's like to wake up dreading you know going to work that day I I don't think it should be that way. So, you know, how do we change that? We change that from the top down.
2: Absolutely. And so you founded, again, a renowned leadership. And uh, I know you work closely with uh, Career Winner Circle, um, which is great. And a lot of what you have said in the past is based on three fundamental pillars and probably didn't come immediately to you, but uh, certainly it's something that you live your life and certainly you're coaching by. And I believe that's community consistency and clarity. So let's spend a couple of minutes talking about those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Initially it's like you said, it started out as five in the very beginning and I've narrowed that down to three, which is like, you just said, community, consistency, clarity. And I start with community because like I said, leadership is a people business, right? You got to have that, that safe space for your people to work. And, and when you do that work to create that community, that means, you know, your people, you you genuinely love your people and you will go to bat for them every single day. When you create that community, you, you not only uh, create a good healthy place for people to come to work but you also create a, a team that is also going to be willing to have your back no matter what so the the next thing is consistency and that's one of the biggest places I, I see a lot of people um, uh, making that mistake is we we lead with emotion rather than logic and I know emotions important um, especially when it comes to understanding your uh, your emotions compared to other people other people's emotions, but we need to lead with logic. We can't let emotions take over. And it's not possible to be thinking logically and emotionally at the same time. So you need to show up consistently every day. You got to show up thinking the same way every single day, making decisions the same way every single day. That consistency goes into making that safe space so people know what to expect from you. They know that they're what you know, they know what kind of Scott or what kind of Steven is going to show up. So like the consistency is just paramount. And then the, the last is clarity. You have to communicate, communicate, communicate. If your team doesn't know the the team's mission, if they don't know the team's vision, if they don't know the team's goals by heart, then they're going to be like a a monster truck just spinning their tires in the mud. They're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be running at high RPMs, but they're going to be going absolutely nowhere because they don't have that clarity of what they're doing. So you got to communicate that clarity every single day.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Amen, brother. Again, I'm chatting with Stephen Morris, who empowers leaders to build high performing teams by focusing on community clarity and consistency. And, uh, Stephen, I know again, you spent uh, 16. Plus years in the U.S. Army and are now coaching folks. Um, again, certainly I know you have a uh, you have a, a soft spot in your heart for uh, folks with military background, probably in particular for the for the Army, of course. Um, but I know you work and you have helped so many hundreds of, of folks, not only through your coaching um, but also through the podcast, which we'll talk about. But uh, Stephen, let's talk a little bit more about the coaching. Who needs to talk to you? And again, who from our listeners? Should be reaching out to uh, to talk with uh, with you and your team at Renowned Leadership.
0: Um, everybody, <laughs> I like it. If you if you have a team, or if you're going to have a team, if you're going to have charges then you need some sort of formal leadership training. I do not care if it's from me, from you, from, it doesn't matter. Just go get some form of formal leadership training. I actually uh, read a really weird statistic the other day or depressing, whichever you want to look at it. I think it was from MIT. They found after uh, a survey that the average American doesn't receive formal leadership training until they're 44 and a half years old or something like that. 42 and a half, 44 and a half, something like that. That's insane. That's, that's 20 years of bad habits built that you have to go untrain when you start getting that formal leadership training. That's insane to me. So don't build the bad habits, get a coach, get a mentor, find someone and, and start building good habits instead of the, instead of the bad ones. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense.
2: It does. It does. It does absolutely Stephen no, I appreciate it. And we, we only have time for uh, about a minute remaining and, and Stephen, I, I want to focus on your uh, your status as an entrepreneur um, because that's a really important title that you wear as well. Stephen, I want to give this minute to you to give any advice, uh, either the tips and tricks or maybe the things to avoid from your own experience in uh, this entrepreneurial journey.
0: You know, uh, this isn't from my entrepreneurial journey. It's just from my leadership journey. The hardest lesson I ever learned um, was learning to really bring that that personal relationship into your leadership style. Um, I, I unfortunately had this rock star of an employee. She was great. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, she just kind of fell off the face of the earth. She was showing up to work, but wasn't being productive. I couldn't understand why. And I did. I looked, I looked, I looked, couldn't find the answer. turns out her husband of uh, 20 plus years had cheated on her and they were going through this nasty divorce. I I failed as a leader to create a space where she could come talk to me about that. And uh, yeah, that's the hardest lesson. So my advice, build those personal relationships with your people. That's
2: the most important advice of all. Again, been chatting with Stephen Morris um, and Stephen, I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you so they can, as you said, schedule that conversation, talk about coaching, whether it's with you or with anybody else, but uh, certainly I'm biased. And I think you, your experience (laughs) from the army and beyond in the corporate world, uh, you've got a lot to share. And of course, a podcast as well. How can we learn more?
0: Yeah, you can just go to renowned, that's with a ED, leadership.com, or you can email me, SJ Morris at renownedleadership.com. And I also have a podcast, Renowned Leadership. It's wherever you download your podcasts at. So go check me out. And there's also tons and tons of links there to, uh, to uh, get a hold of me.
2: Well, we'll absolutely link in the show notes as well. Stephen Morris, renowned leadership, thank you so much for joining us and being so candid with your background and experience. Thank you for your service, my friend, and uh, can't wait to have you back on. We've got to squeeze in a very quick break. Aaron, get down to business. We'll be right back. Super excited for this conversation. I'm joined by Dr. Lise Janelle, a trailblazing growth accelerator coach known for her groundbreaking heart freedom method. She's been featured all over the news, and she liberates clients from subconscious barriers, fostering rapid success, and she... Most importantly, Dr. Lise Janelle is the founder of the Center for Heart Living, the author of You Are Loved and Conversations with the Heart, as well as a podcast host of Soul Worthy Love. Lise, thank you so much for joining us on the program.
3: Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
2: Absolutely. So obviously, we're having this conversation with entrepreneurs and small business owners from, frankly, all over the world, and everybody wants to reach their full potential. I've heard some of your conversations, Dr. Janelle, where you've talked about peak performance unleashed. least in a nutshell, how do, we, how do we accomplish that?
3: Well, people need to know that Especially if you're really driven and you have focus on making things happen, it can get really frustrating when subconscious beliefs are working against you. And we have three clues you have a subconscious belief working against you. Number one, you know what needs to be done, but you're not doing it. The famous procrastination, you know. You know that if you picked up the phone, you could get this big contract, but instead, all of a sudden, this bag of cookies look really good. or You need to clean the windows all of a sudden, or to call your best friend. The second one is you keep doing everything right, but it feels like drudgery. It's using two, three times the amount of energy that you need to have, like going to the gym, it's like, oh. You have to kick yourself to go to the gym or to stay in a relationship or, you know, that type of thing. The number three clue that you have a subconscious belief working against you is that you keep doing everything right, but get the opposite results. You you line up all the contracts for a big uh job that you want to do, and all of a sudden, somebody else gets the job instead of you, or you go into dates and you think, finally, I found this person that's perfect for me, but then somebody else ends up with that person. So what that tells us, what that tells me, is that subconsciously, you have associated more pain than pleasure or more danger than safety to something you would like to have. because. Relatively speaking, your conscious mind that's driven for a goal is the size of a football. And your subconscious mind, whose job is to keep you alive, the football field. So it's not because you're lazy. It's not because you lack willpower. It's not because you were born under an unlucky star. It's because at some level for you, your subconscious mind has decided that this is not good for you to have this thing you really, really want.
2: Absolutely, and that's what we call unmasking obstacles, like you've been saying, the three telltale clues that indicate a subconscious belief working against you. Again, I'm ch- chatting with Dr. Elise Janelle, human potential expert, creator of the Heart Freedom Method, author and podcast host of Soul Worthy Love. And I know, Elise, you're working on an upcoming book, Unstuck with co-author, the one and only Jack Canfield, and I know that's coming out soon. So, Elise, I want to make this as personal as possible because as I understand your story, you uh, have been a, uh, a very very successful uh, and top earner, actually, as a chiropractor, mm-hmm. and now look at the number of folks that you are inspiring. So, Lise, what was that aha moment for you that really helped you discover uh, this, this path of, as we said, unmasking obstacles?
3: Well, my background, I was a holistic chiropractor. And in 1988, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, given nine months to live, That was three weeks before my sister's wedding. One week after my sister's wedding, my 21-year-old brother died in a car accident. And then within a month of this, my eight-year relationship to the man I thought I was going to marry ended. So it was so painful that it sent me on the quest to understand how do you live life when these things happen? Because it's not if they happen, it's when they happen. How do you survive them? So this is why I was willing to leave my very comfy, beautiful life as a chiropractor to start doing this work because I love empowering people. My goal since 1989 is I wrote a mission statement for my life and the career part says that I'm going to help maximize the life potential of a million person through reconnecting them with their heart because the power really comes from their heart. You can have a brilliant mind. Or you can be super emotional, but the power comes from the heart. Because I've had patients that were Mensa material, and, you know, they can really smart. But when something happens that emotionally is too much, their mind cannot overcome it, and then they fall apart. So the true power, the true success comes when you free yourself from this conditioned response, from these beliefs that are holding you back.
2: Well, your story absolutely reflects resilience, passion, and that enduring dedication to guiding others towards full potential. And a million people, you are well on your way. And again, the author of Conversations with the Heart, uh, as well as uh, You Are Loved, and of course, an upcoming book Unstuck which is coming out I believe in late 2024 at um, least that's all we have time for today how can we get in touch with you find your podcast and learn more about all of your amazing work at the Center for Heart Living
3: you can go to heartfreedommethod.com and or drlisianel.com and if you go to heartfreedommethod.com there's a whole bunch of little gifts that you can download and find out more about it and um, you can learn about Unleash Your, your Dream Life which is the my online course where I teach people how to get rid of their subconscious belief working against them.
2: Well, that's all we have time for today. We'll link in our show notes as well. Really appreciate the conversation. Really looking forward to having you back on the program real soon. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business. You can always get on my website, sycline.com, to download the past 10 plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So it's no secret that the enormous complexity involved in an organization's digital transformation can hinder its success. Some 70% of digital initiatives fail to meet their goals, and that's what I want to talk to Michael Shank all about. Michael is the Founder and Managing Director of Process Inventory Advisors, LLC. He has over 25 years of experience as a management consultant in the financial services industry, advising clients on technology, process risk, and large-scale business and digital transformation. He has a new book, just came out a few months ago. It's called Digital Transformation, Transformation, Transformation Success, Achieving Alignment and Delivering Results with the Process Inventory Framework. Michael, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. What an important topic, especially to talk about in these early days of 2024, when digital transformation is absolutely on many entrepreneurs' minds. So, Michael, let's talk about you for starters. How did you get into this line of work and why are you so passionate about it?
4: yeah absolutely so so um i started my career in consulting so i was with accenture and ey across those two organizations about 23 years and i spent some stints at at bank of america and and citibank um but i was i was deep into i started deep into technology i was a c plus plus java programmer and then moved on to the process side of thing but always working in large transformational programs from risk and strategy and whatnot but what I, I always noticed, and, and there's a, obviously this kind of goes to the seventy percent stat, that there's so much confusion, there's so much, um, so many things that hinder efficiency in these programs that I just, I just had to find a way, and that's where I came up with this concept called the process inventory framework, um, and then I just felt compelled to, uh, to get it on paper, and that's why I left the corporate world in March, uh, and then get it out there, and now I'm promoting it.
2: Absolutely. What a fantastic story. And again, I know how passionate you are about this topic, digital transformation. Those stats that we mentioned earlier are pretty staggering. There's a lot of digital transformations that do not succeed. So, Michael, I I really want to understand why do so many digital transformations and operational excellence programs fail
4: yeah, and let me, Shalim, let, let me uh, put a little bit more framing on it too. So the seventy percent failed, but the global spend for digital transformation programs is expected to be three point four trillion dollars. So it's massive implications in terms of uh, lost uh, lost costs, but also um, frustrated customers and stakeholders, lost ground to competitors. It could it could really do damage to a business's competitive differentiation. Uh, Just to take a step back a little bit, you know, what is a digital transformation? So a transformation is just a profound change in an organization that that spans people process and technology. And digital transformation is just the application of new technologies um, that are driving uh, new business models and new customer engagements. The root cause of it is organizational complexity. There's just so many teams, uh, you know, these organizations, especially the large ones, uh, span multiple markets, have, have complex uh, product lines, um, have uh, v- complex vendor relationships, significant regulatory and, and um, uh, requirements. And getting all of those resources on the same page to deliver on an ambitious transformation just becomes almost impossible and really requires a transformation leader to have a superhuman capability to keep everything on, uh, pointed in the right direction.
2: Absolutely. I'm chatting with Michael Schenk, Founder and Managing Director of Process Inventory Advisors, LLC. Um, so, Michael, as we continue in this discussion, I also would love it if you can help us define that process inventory framework. Let's talk a little bit about that.
4: Absolutely. So, so that goes to what, why this is the key to success. So, so com- if complexity is the issue, the key to success is getting your organization in alignment. And what that means is getting all the resources Dedicated to delivering on your organization's mission, and that means from there's a vertical alignment, so getting the CEO down to individual contributors working on the same page, so everyone knows their role and responsibility, and then it's horizontal, getting all these diverse teams uh, understanding and collab- what they do, and then collaborating well together. So really, what to to get that alignment in a real tangible way, you need a common language. And the only uh, the, the only option for a common language is business process. So what process inventory is 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 inventorying literally every process or action the organization does in a in a taxonomy or, or uh, structure like that. Uh, and then leveraging that as a way to to take all your operational and resource data in the organization and put it in context of that single language, and then use that single language to drive all the change in the transformation from defining your strategy, uh, driving through uh, change from, from uh, starting the, the project charter all the way to deploying uh, the changes, driving operational excellence, which is really uh, I, understanding Uh, And uh, all the where all the resources are and eliminating waste and how your how your organization operates, Um, better IT design, stronger risk management. There's a lot of use cases uh, for this. It's really, you know, that 70 percent stat. There is no framework to address that today. And I believe the process inventory framework is the is the answer to the solution because it, it is one framework that solves all of these problems at once in an aligned manner.
2: Well, you heard it right here. Again, we're chatting all about the Process Inventory Framework and digital transformation success. We're gonna have to cut to break in about a minute, but uh, Michael, I'd love to understand how this uh, again uh, Process Inventory Framework works with other methodologies such as Lean Six Sigma, process modeling, and risk management.
4: Yeah, so it, it all works together. So with uh, uh, Lean Six Sigma, is all about understanding, like, like I mentioned, waste, but. You know, a lot of Lean Six Sigma teams, they come into a situation with a blank sheet of paper and they have to interview people and understand how it works. Now, what if they could come in with a base of information that that gave them all the definitions of the processes, the the names of the the boundaries of them, the owners, uh, and a lot of resource information? Now it gets easier, so it's really speeding up that. Um, Risk management's another great one too. I believe a lot of risk management programs fail because they, they fail to have discrete business context Uh, in terms of uh, what processes are in the environment so that the risk teams can do uh, thorough and accurate risk assessments uh, and and design controls.
2: Absolutely. You've got to squeeze in a very quick break here and Get Down to Business. As always, get on your favorite podcast app. Search for Get Down to Business. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share. But again, we'll be right back in just a moment. Well, welcome back to Get Down to Business. I'm continuing my conversation with Michael Shank. We've been chatting all about setting up a transformation program for success, in particular digital transformation using the process inventory framework. And uh, Michael is the author of a uh, new book, which we're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes. But Michael, continuing our theme over here, uh, we've been talking about process inventory frameworks. So how do Organizations, including smaller organizations, many of whom might be joining us on this program, leverage it to deliver value.
4: Yeah, so it's it's really about understanding what actions your organization takes, uh, and then if you need to, and it depends what you're trying to accomplish. But if you're trying to execute a change, then it's like like a, a strategy of adopting new new you know customer. Um, Engagement approaches or, or business models. It's really understanding what is your strategy, and then what processes have to change to execute that strategy, and then flowing that one level down and saying, okay, what resources are attached to those in terms of technology and people and vendors and whatnot, so that you can get very specific around the components that need to change. I already mentioned operation, operational efficiency, but if a organization is in, you know, if efficiency is a either cost or uh, risk or any other metric is something that they're concerned about, then it's important to use this to, um, to, to be clear on where those, uh, the pain points or, or cost drivers are um, so, so that they could um, become more efficient.
2: Absolutely. Again, chatting with Michael Shank, and Michael, um, really, as we get to down uh, down and dirty over here in terms of uh, talking about the practical the homework assignments, if you will, um, I want to make sure it is clear to entrepreneurs and business owners wherever they may be tuning in what is needed to stand up the process inventory capability.
4: Yeah. So it it needs a, obviously like you just mentioned a capability, but that typically has a process COE or a small group of people that are responsible for constructing the process inventory and associated process models, uh, and then building the repository of, of information that you could leverage it. And this this is not just a one-time activity where you create the inventory and then you can go away because organizations change and this becomes stale. So they've got to stick around and and do some governance to make sure that it's, that it's up to date. Um, and then you've got to find... You know, what is the value that you want to get from your organization in terms of you know, driving change or efficiency or risk manager, what it may be uh, so that you could use this information and that, and that team, could this process COE team can enable you to extract the value that you need.
2: Absolutely, so Michael, we've covered a lot in our conversation, and I know you have a new book coming out, and of course you're regularly publishing um, really great uh, articles on this topic of digital transformation. So, Michael, I want to want to give the time back over to you. How can we learn more about the book and uh, and get in touch with you and your team?
4: For sure, there, there's three ways. Uh, so go to Amazon or wherever you get your your books, and it's Digital Transformation Success, Michael Shank. Uh, read the book if you want to understand the details. Um, and then the second way is I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Michael Shank at LinkedIn, uh, find me, follow me, connect with me. Uh, I'm posting a lot of content. Or, um, as Shalom, you mentioned. Articles and podcasts and other things. So love to get your feedback and engagement if this, if, if this topic interests you. And then third, my website, processinventory.com. Uh, so I'm providing consulting services uh, and I'm developing online training so that I can educate the transformation leaders in these organizations on how to uh, tap into this framework. Uh, to deliver on their transformation programs
2: absolutely awesome awesome advice again a very relevant topic in early 2024 for us to cover and i know you're not uh, keeping it with just the information right now i know again on your website uh and of course through all of your publications you're keeping us current and i can't wait to have you back real soon on the program. Again, Michael Schenck, thanks so much for joining us. That's a wrap for us here this week on Get Down to Business. As always, as I keep saying, get on my website, sykline.com. I always love to hear from our listeners. Always love it when folks subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And, of course, be sure to check out our sponsors, Tom Mirabali. Um, for all things health insurance and the Affordable Care Act, you could go on his website, healthplanchicago.com. Or give him a call 630-863-3477, 630-863-3477 to success. Let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on 8560 The Answer.